Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Welcome in. It's Balloon Party, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. Tim McKernan and Action Jackson with you for one hour of Radio Magic here, a program that solicits your involvement at 314. Uh, oh, I got the wrong text inbox up. Jackson, I still have the TMA one. You can text into that one. Uh, <laughs> totally different vibe in there. Uh, Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. That's how you can text into the show. Jackson, why don't you tell the people what is on today's menu for the delectable balloon party driven by Munganas, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota? I'd be more than happy to do that for you, Tim. Uh, at 10.15, we'll have the voice of the blues. That is Chris Kerber joining us, talking all things blues hockey. And we also have... Uh, one of my personal favorite of my uh, little question packs is the Little Piddle Sports Business Newsletter. Yeah, that one tends to engage me the most, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I, 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 let me make this clear. Nothing, and I mean nothing, tops the six-shooter. The right. six-shooter at this point is a part of St. Louis broadcast history, and I would imagine will receive an induction into the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I do I do like that uh, that business version that we tend to get midweek, and here we are on Tuesday. Uh, with that, I know Mike Claiborne was on uh, opening drive with uh, the great Randy Carricker, Kerry Davis, and uh, and Matt Rocchio. Although what, uh, Randy's uh, vacationing in the Hamptons, is that correct? He's at his place yeah. in the Hamptons, and so yep. uh, Brooke was in. And Kerry, as I understand it, heard me uh, rapping "Do What You Like" from Digital Underground in Jackson. You said that was from 1990. Is that what it was? Uh, 89 or 90. 89 or 90 from the Sex Packets album. Uh, either way, but they had Mike Claiborne on. Mike Claiborne uh, and I were talking last night, as a matter of fact. We're both down in, in Jupiter, and uh, and he gave me a call, and we were, we were BSing about uh, getting together at some point here. And uh, I said, how are things going? And, um, and how did, uh, he, he was on the call, Flaherty start yesterday, and then Stephen Matz followed up. Both looked really good. He said Flaherty loves working with... Uh, Contreras and Contreras really has taken liking to working with Flaherty. So that's good to hear that they have a rapport here in the early going. And uh, but the thing that stood out to me, and again, I bring this up because if you were listening to the opening drive, he may have referenced this. I don't know. Uh, I'm doing TMA at that time. But he was talking about how quick the games are going. And last uh, excuse me, yesterday's game, Jackson, two hours and 18 minutes. And that included an inning in which there were six walks and the game still went only two hours and 18 minutes. And he said, the pacing leads to a better product. And so it is something that I didn't necessarily think was going to have a real impact, but so far there is a substantial difference in the times of games in spring training versus the average times of games in 2022's regular season. Um, and so perhaps this will be a benefit to the game of baseball. Jackson, your thoughts? 
I love it. I love the new rules. I'm totally all for it. There's nothing that frustrates me more watching a baseball game than a pitcher taking forever to get a pitch off or a batter stepping out of the box and readjusting their gloves every time. I mean, the sport needs help and needs to appeal to a younger demographic and attention spans are shorter. I am, you know, I'm 24. I feel it all the time. My attention span isn't great. But if there, but if an NBA game went seven hours, you'd watch every second. of Yeah. I mean, that would be double, triple OT. I mean, we went to OT last night with the Celtics Cavs. I was locked in, but by the Celtics, just a lot of overtime lately. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no Tatum, but, um, the, uh, uh, the baseball games, like you need to speed it up a little bit. Like I'm totally all for speeding up the game. Now I think in some instances the situation where an automatic strike gets called could be problematic. But it also like the players know the rules. Like you got to adjust your routine to fit within the new rules. And I love it. I want a quicker game. I don't need to watch three hours of baseball a night. Two and a half, perfect, absolutely perfect. Uh, the average length of a major league baseball game. In 2022, last season, Jackson, I will give you three minutes either side to get the answer right. In other words, if the answer were an hour, and we know it wasn't, but I'm just using this as an example, a round number, and you said 58 minutes, you would win. You would win the prize. But if you said 56 minutes, I'm sorry, you would not win the prize. So venture a guess, unless you actually know the information, as to the average length of a Major League Baseball game in 2022. Sir, the floor is yours. Two hours and 48 minutes. No, I'm sorry. And uh, you're off by 15 minutes. The average game, three hours and three minutes. Wow. So far in spring training, uh, games have been averaging about 25 minutes less than they were last regular season. So it gives you an idea of how significant that is. Now, let's play a couple things out here. Would you like to play out things with me, Jackson? I love playing things out. Oh, I love that. I love to hear that. That's what I do. I love to hear <laughs> it. I, re- I love it real nice. Like, number one, I was because I was talking about this with my father-in-law last night. Uh, I said, because I'd just gotten home and I was on the phone with uh, Claiborne, like I was saying, I said, I was just on the phone with Claiborne. We were talking about Walker and Wynn and Hence and how well they're getting along and how well they're playing and they're really close and young guys and enjoying the idea of getting to, you know, experience all this together, going to the Gulf side of the state here for a couple of days, playing games. And, and there's a real positive vibe there. Flaherty start, Matt's performance yesterday, Contreras work with Flaherty, all the things I was talking about. But in addition to it, he said, the game only took two hours and 18 minutes, even though there were six walks. And my father-in-law's reaction was, man, I wonder if that's going to be a good thing for the owners because they could lose out on some concessions dollars and they might not like that. So I, li- I like where he's thinking because he's thinking through the lens of the business side of things, because the reality is, while as fans, we might not like this stuff, the dollars dictate policy. That's the same case with politics, and it's certainly the case with sports. And so if the dollars dictate policy and fans are in the venues for a shorter period of time, then one may deduce that the concession line item revenue would decrease. But, Jackson, Mm. if more people go to games because the product has a better pace, then therefore, number one, number one, the attendance line on our PL 
because we will be acquiring a franchise at yep. some point, inevitably, yep. mm-hmm. the attendance revenue will increase. And then while the games may be shorter because there are more people in the building, the concession line may increase or may not experience as much of a decrease because now there are more people there to purchase helmet nachos. Thoughts? Questions, concerns, I'm taking them all. Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. If you're going to increase popularity, you'll offset the loss of less time available for concession stands. If you're taking a team that has an average of 25,000 fans a game and you bump that up to 28,000 a game, that's 3,000 more a night that are going to go buy pretzels, hot dogs, and beer. And I think that will offset the cost of shortening the game 25 minutes. And I would say of those 3,000, about 67% or 2,000 will purchase helmet nachos. So think about that. Yeah, at least that and multiply it by 81 and now you see real things happening and what we've done here is we just created a business we might as well be on shark tank at this point yeah and i'm excited about that opportunity i really am oh, i mark- might wear a toupee uh <laughs> because i just don't know how my skull will play on network television but other than that i am ready to go and make this pitch and i think mark cuban is going to be all over yeah the all lifts too of lifts lifts yeah we're going to need you to like kneel down in front of me <laughs> during the pitch and they might think it's awkward but we'll just we'll do it confidently yeah that is so yeah point. i'm excited about the fact that the, the the baseball games and people are saying that it's a much better experience watching the games because there's there's a pace to it yeah I just, I, I'll be real straightforward with you. Going into it, I'm like, and I think I, I said this, it was like, it's like boxing. It's like trying to hold on and just grasp at anything. And now you're going to change rules and make bases bigger. And you still got a guy out at second base when extra innings get going. It's just going to be hackneyed. And I felt like it was something, and trying to hang on to a life raft while, while the times pass it by. But perhaps, perhaps this will wind up being a significant element for baseball to bring some people back to the game. I'm, I'm legitimately intrigued by uh, how s- substantial the change has been. I mean, when you're talking about, you know, three hours and you reduce it by close to 30 minutes, tw- 25 minutes, I mean, that is a material change. That is a substantial change. And on top of it, most of that time is dead time. Right, exactly. Um, now, the one thing that I would say, because we're not going apples to apples, I'm, co- I'm comparing and contrasting Major League Baseball regular season 2022 with spring training 2023. And while there is a decent amount of data at this point, it's still a small sample size. And also, for those of you who have either watched or attended spring training games, you would know that very rarely are pitching changes made in the middle of an inning. And that was something Doug Vaughn brought up on TMA this morning you don't see pitching changes made in the middle of an inning because usually guys are just out there getting their work in and it's not really a concern that you got to get somebody up and then the catcher comes out to buy the time for the guy to get loose and then the manager comes out and pulls the guy. Different set of circumstances at spring training. With that said, that would not make up for 25 minutes of a difference. So the pacing, players are getting used to it, both the hitters and the pitchers, and uh, I'm anxious to see if this actually translates to the regular season and perhaps – an increase in interest in the game and perhaps an increase in attendance and television ratings. We shall see. Chris Kerber is going to join us coming up. Then we have the Little Piddles. What is this called? The Sports Business Review? Sports Business Newsletter. Yeah, some, oh, good, like some good little morsels in there. 
Yeah, I, uh, I, t- I took a peek last night, but I haven't looked at the whole thing because I like my reactions to the, these uh, mm-hmm. little piddles surveys to be natural. But I saw some uh, Apple TV streaming questions, which I know we got a lot of feedback on yesterday when we were raving about uh, Saturday night with the dog. So that's coming up. Chris Kerber coming up next. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you. This program is the Munganess St. Louis Acura Balloon Party at 101 ESPN. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you here on 101 ESPN. Uh, Jackson, uh, Chris Kerber joining us? Yes, sir. Oh, Chris Kerber is with us. Good morning, Kerbs. Morning, Tim. I'm sitting here wondering, how many wears should you get in a pair of jeans before you have to wash them? Wow, I really like this question. This is one I can ponder for a while. Oh, Jackson uh, Jackson will give us the, the Ledoux perspective. Uh, what is the answer at Horton Watkins? I think as long as you don't get any major spills or, you know, you get mud on them or something at the bottom, I think you could go a good six, seven wearers before washing them. Well, I, I got to be honest with you as a that South City, and I, 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 go, I, go, I go above that. I need to be transparent with the audience. I go above that. Yeah. I mean, you're not supposed to wash denim that often, so I guess it just depends on how not, you wear them. Wait, seriously? You're not supposed to wash, wash denim that often? I believe- I'd never heard that, Curbs. I'd never heard that. I think Jackson might just be making things I up here on here. I've been doing my laundry since I was like 10 years old. I've never heard that. Yeah, well, these fashion tips, you pick these up and uh, we'll do high school. These are some of the, just the little nuggets you pick up. See, I would think after about, I, I kind of like, I think after, after about four or five wearings, you can probably get away with more wearings. The problem is it starts to creep into your head like, Man, I really probably ought to wash these things. <laughs> so, so now, I got the same thing going dealing... with sheets myself. I got the same thing going with sheets Ooh. and pillowcases. Boy, that's a see sheets and pillowcases. That's one where you that one you got to do more a little more often. Like at least I agree with on you. those because because that's that after a while that just that just doesn't even smell fresh going to bed. That's that's no good. Jackson, what's the uh, ruling on that? Uh, I think it actually depends on if you shower at night or in the morning. If you shower at mm. night, I think you can get away with like maybe two or three times a month. If you shower in the morning, I would go once a week. Wow, nice. Wow, we're getting great information here. I've never gotten this kind of information Jackson, on this show. You got it. Jackson's got a lot of stipulations and things. How complicated is your life, or is it actually? <laughs> no, this is like the most. This is like the most difficult thing I think about is minute stuff like this. Oh. So. It's, this is this okay. If this is as hard as it gets, you're doing okay. Just yeah, try my wheelhouse. Did you say minute? Uh, I didn't mean to. If I did, <laughs> could have sworn like a reference to minute bowl. Yeah, <laughs> well, he got and his son. Were you talking about minutia? Minutia? That's that's more likely the word I'm talking about. Okay. I, just I don't make think sure about English, so like you know, this, these things just come naturally to me. <laughs> they just immediately pop out. Chris Kerber's with us, and he's with us every Tuesday here on the program. Craig Berube uh, talked about the situation for the Blues, and uh, and he was talking about how things have gone from less than a year ago to really battling with the eventual Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche to where things have, have wound up, and uh, just not something that he anticipated. Um, I'm going to ask you, in a bit of reverse engineering, uh, to give me your perspective, Curbs, on when you started to wonder 
if the 2022-2023 season may not go the direction most Blues fans thought at the beginning of the season that it was going to go. Not that people thought that this was necessarily a Stanley Cup contender, but I think people thought it was certainly a playoff contender. Did you get a sense for that in October? Obviously, there was the losing streak, but did you see flashes of things that maybe stood out to you? I think for me, Tim, it was the eight-game losing streak. Uh, I thought, honestly, after the first few games of the season, and I know it was early, but I'm like, oh, hey, this team might have actually some, some, some good stuff to it. And then that eight-game losing streak, and it was the fact, to me it was, whoa, this doesn't even look right. It doesn't feel right. None of these yeah. teams even got overtime. And you saw you saw a different demeanor on the bench at times during that losing streak and things. And, and then from that point on, really until that second consecutive home game against Calgary, at the beginning of that seven-game homestand, this team was fighting and clawing and doing everything it could to stay relevant despite constantly getting hit with things to derail it, whether it be poor defensive play, whether it be one guy after another having a bad game, creating the fatal mistake in a game, uh, whether it be injuries. But even after that very first game against Calgary at the beginning of that homestand, while, while again, none of it felt right from that eight-game losing streak up until that point to me, even during that longer winning streak, you're like, okay, maybe. But nothing felt like you were getting traction, if this makes any sense. Sure. And and you thought, well, if they're going to do something, it has to be now. And when they won that first home game against Calgary, who was just on the outside with the Blues looking in. Right, right. The Blues had pulled to within five points of a playoff spot and got themselves to win three. But at that point after that win, they were also just three points. They were just three points out of third place in the Central Division. This isn't that long ago. They were, yeah, they were less I mean, than two so months ago. Just, it was less than two months ago. Right. They were just three points away from a guaranteed playoff spot, not even the wild card battle. Um, then they lost that second game to Calgary, and then you're like, okay, we've seen this before, and I don't think the game has looked anywhere close or good since. That game, that yeah. game, that second yeah. loss to Calgary is the one that just seemed to totally, you know, just just pop the balloon for whatever reason. And I don't think it was their sense. So, uh, honestly, I, I don't know that even during that seven-game win streak, you saw flashes, you, you saw enough flashes of a game that made you say, man, th- there wasn't a feel around the team, Tim. Uh, it, it, you'd go to practices, you'd go in the room. Like, there wasn't a vibe. And – as much as you hate pointing back to 2019, but I could point back to 2020. I can point back to 2016, right? Um, You you know, when they went on that, that playoff run with that original core with, with Bacchus and company, like there was vibes around those teams. There was a level of maturity and, and go get it. And honestly, that's just not something I felt around this team this year. That's uh, that's intriguing because I, I would imagine when you were talking losing streak, I immediately just thought the, the beginning of the season. But you're right. And it is weird to think. And you emphasized it by saying it wasn't that long ago. And you're right. It was less than two months ago that the Blues had put themselves in that position where they were kind of not kind of. I mean, they were lurking in the playoff race and then it just spiraled. And it really was that that homestand. In, in January. What did you think of what Doug Armstrong had to say when the, the trade deadline uh, came and went 
and and talked about you know letting the fan base know that hey this is not necessarily going to be uh, an immediate turnaround. Uh, Jeremy Rutherford with us yesterday was saying that mo- for the most part fans understand that are appreciative of the fact that there was this run of sustained success with uh, a core group of players and now know that the organization is going to go through some semblance of a transition. Uh, what did you think of uh, Armstrong's uh, comments, Curbs, and, uh, and your interactions with uh, fans on their uh, perception and understanding of where things are at the moment? Well, I think Doug Armstrong has been very upfront and forward with the fans whenever he talks. I don't think there's a whole lot of baloney in him. And, um, I look, if, if I'm being really fair to the whole process, I think if there, if the fans, if there was a right for the fans to question one thing, or at least to ask this question, it would be this. Could the Blues have fought organizationally, front office wise, have fought a little bit harder, taken some more risks to keep this core together a little bit longer? And and that's one we're not going to know yet for a little while, and maybe down the road it's a question for Doug, you know, later. But that's that that to me would be, I think, a fair question. When you see what, you know, you see what what Boston can has continued to do, and and, and where they're at, and how they're doing it. And I mean, again, they lost Sara, they lost Krug. I mean, they they went through some changes of their own, right? And and look at and they they lost Rat, Tuka Rask, right? Mm-hmm. And. And they're still they're still where they are. So I and I and look at where Pittsburgh is now. Pittsburgh may miss the playoffs this year, but look at the longer run they had. Look at what Pittsburgh did in, did in 0809, you know, uh, and then and then the two Stanley Cups that they won, you know, just a few years ago. So did they do enough? I don't know. I don't know. That's a philosophical question. To Doug's point, here's a flip side. Look at where Washington has been since they won the Cup the year before the Blues. Just really haven't gotten anything back. They went on that great run, and it was worth it all. The Blues lost their chance, in my opinion, to really defend with their core group in 2020 with COVID. Yep. Yep. That, that, that yep. to me, you know, when we had COVID, with Steen, with Bo Meester, with those guys, that, that to me was that. I think they tried to hang on. What Doug Armstrong's done is just taken a very honest approach. Now, whether you agree with Doug or not, that's a, that that I think is a great debate to sit at the bar with your buddy, have a beer, and 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 really get at. It. I think it's great debate. But boy, he made a decision, didn't he? He just looked yeah. at it and he said it was very decisive. It was I'm not going to hang on to a bunch of unrestricted free agents, even though they are still very good quality players, right? And then just and linger around and try and hope. He goes, I'm going to make a decision and turn this direction of this team around now, and in doing so. I think that decisiveness is going to make this a much shorter turnaround than it would be. In other words, will you set up the next 10 years of a good successful run like the last 10 have been for the St. Louis Blues? Are you better off by hanging on to Snuggaroo, Bull Duke, and a high draft pick versus trading some of those guys to get some bodies in and trying to compete with Edmonton, Colorado, New Jersey, and these teams that are now starting to make it all these teams that have had four, five, six top 10 picks over the last seven, eight years because they've been bad, are you able to compete against them? And I don't think the feeling based on speed of the game and where the game is that that was there. So you, we can disagree, we can agree, you can debate the, the decision, but I do think you have to appreciate the decisiveness 
of what they're doing and the timing of when they're doing it, in my opinion. Yeah, sometimes, uh, you know, as a, as a Missouri football fan, for example, you're like, OK, I'm thinking things might be going in the right direction. Then you see Alabama play Georgia. And you go, oh, my God, there is a gap. And last night, if anybody was watching Buffalo and Edmonton, you just saw a speed and an offensive style that at this particular moment, the 2022-2023 Blues before the trade deadline with, you know, Tarasenko and O'Reilly and Barbashev, they just weren't there. It is a different level at this moment. And I, I, I listen. I hate the way the season wound up playing out, but I love the decisiveness and the direction that they are now taking considering the set of circumstances. And it does seem to me, Curbs, that the vast majority of Blues fans are on board with it. Well, we, we have an educated fan base. We have, we, have, we have an educated sports base in St. Louis. Yeah. You know, and, and I think they, they can appreciate that. I, I think... Well, actually, I don't think. I know they appreciate that. So, again, there might be angst. There might be disappointment, you know, and, and, and some frustration along the way. I understand that. But you, it's a fan base that understands the math, right? You know, look, the, the lunatic fringe, it's going to be loud on sports talk radio in terms of they're their texting in or, or loud on social media, you know, about let this happen, let that happen. Honestly, that's that's a small group of what is a larger, really educated fan base that that understands this process. And and again, here, here's the other thing, though, Tim. If this was 0506, where you've gone and maybe you had traded some of those guys away, the Blues are not where the Detroit Red Wings eventually finished up when Datsukri left and went to the KHL and Zetterberg retired. They hung on as long as they could hang on with those two guys and eventually just fell out. This isn't the Buffalo Sabres. This isn't the Edmonton Oilers. This isn't the New Jersey Devils. This isn't even, and, and while Doug's referenced the LA Kings, you know, the LA Kings, since going to the Stanley Cup final with Barry Melrose in, in, in 93 when they lost to Montreal, that's like 28 years ago. They missed the playoffs in 18 of them. Like 18 of them. They only made the playoffs 10. Yeah, yeah, they won two cups. They only made the playoffs 10 times in 28 years. Uh, so to me, the timing of this is so different because you've got Tyru, you've got Thomas, you still have Butchnevich and Shen, you know, you still have a defensive core that frankly, I, I just cannot imagine next year would be as bad as this year has been. This one just snowballed and they haven't been able to get it. You've got a Stanley Cup winning goaltender. Then you've got Snuggerud, you've got Bolduc, you've got these players that the Blues are finding out, man, did we really hit some, probably got some really good picks in that 19, 20, 22 range in the draft. It's a different scenario now, and I think the fans understand that. Yeah, I, uh, that's a good analysis of where it is, how it compares and contrasts not just to previous blue situations, but also these other organizations and, and where things have been. Really enjoyed the conversation, Curbs. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Blues, Coyotes going at it. Uh, Curbs on the call, voice of the blues here on 101 ESPN. Always appreciate it, man. Thanks so much, Curbs. Thanks, fellas. Going to go wash some jeans. <laughs> Thanks, there he is, Chris Kerber, with us here on 101 ESPN. All right, we'll take a commercial break. Come back with uh, the Little Piddles Sports Business Newsletter. Bingo.
All right. I'm looking forward to digging into this. That's the second half of Balloon Party driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura here on 101 ESPN. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. This is Balloon Party, driven by Monganess, St. Louis Acura, Alton Toyota here on 101 ESPN. Timothy Michael McKernan, Action Jackson Burkett with you, BK and Ferrario coming up at 11 o'clock. We're fresh off the conversation with Blues broadcaster Chris Kerber. Miss anything? You can podcast it via the Dobbs Auto Entire Center podcast on the 101 ESPN app. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a Tuesday tradition unlike any other. It's time for the Little Piddles Sports Business Newsletter. The Little Piddles Sports Business Newsletter opens up with a question about Apple TV and the MOS. Okay. So, Apple has an opt-out clause in their deal with the MOS, allowing them to walk away if the numbers of subscribers to MOS season pass doesn't meet their expectations. There has been no indication so far that this is the path they're heading down, but I do find it interesting. Most in the know anticipate Apple to stick with the deal until at least the 2026 World Cup, which of course we played in North America. However, if they did walk, do you think that would curtail the movement or certainly slow down the movement to sports moving to streaming services? Well, we don't know for sure that sports are going to move to streaming services just yet. I mean, I realize we have Amazon and Thursday Night Football, but uh, certainly uh, the, the thought process is that baseball could wind up heading in that direction with what's going on with the regional sports networks. Now, with that said, I think for as much as we raved about uh, what transpired downtown on Saturday night, that if we were going to put on our uh, our honesty caps, Jackson, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and analyze this, I think it would be fair to say, and I think privately people with MLS would acknowledge this as well, that if it didn't work with MLS, that doesn't necessarily mean it would not work with your four major at the moment, right. North American League. So I, I don't know that that necessarily would. Now, I think it would su- certainly be something that those leagues would be uh, aware of. I, I talk about openly. I just don't talk about golf much on the show, but I am a, a huge golf fan. Um, I just don't bother people listening to this show with with it because I know most people don't really care about it. But for example, to draw a parallel with something that I'm certainly more well versed in and a big fan of um if golf did not work on streaming, I wouldn't say, oh, that means it's not going to work on take your pick of one of the other leagues. So um, I don't think so, although it would be a cautionary tale. I suppose we could play it the other way around. If it did really work out, I would imagine that would have a bigger impact because, say, Major League Baseball would go, my God, it worked with MLS. Then it is certainly going to work with our product. At sure. least I, I would think that it would work more that way than than the other way. Yeah, yeah, I think that's. I'd be curious to see if major because I don't know. You know, I think MLS is certainly targeting cord cord cutters, people 
who are, and even people like me who have never had cable in their life. So uh, I think that this would be a good barometer for what people in that age demographic are willing to do. And so, yeah, I think it's uh, certainly interesting, and I hope that they continue on the same path. Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of that Apple TV. Yeah, I, I think really it's great. Am. I enjoy that broadcast. Agreed. Uh, second question here. Sports yep. Illustrated covered a story involving Bob Costas admitting that he didn't have his best stuff during the Yankees and Guardians ALDS series. The games were widely panned by fans and sports pundits alike, and Costas offered admission of a lackluster performance. Do you appreciate Bob Costas coming out and saying this, or do you think he is unnecessarily uh, you know, appeasing to the fans and the people who are very vocal about his performance? A friend of the show, Mike Francesa, very critical. Andrew Marchand of the New York Post, very critical. Um, So I don't see it that way. I think when people talk about the current four best sportscasters, I call it a Mount Rushmore, which is kind of cutting edge sports talk radio. In uh, in the United States of America, they say Bob Costas, Joe Buck, Al Michaels, and me. And right. and I would tell you that I don't feel like I am on my A game today, but yet my talent is so good that it's tough for people to realize it. Right. And Bob Costas cited that uh, playoff series he called between the Yankees and the Guardians, and he just could tell he just didn't have it. Now, I don't know what his reason uh, was for his performance in that playoff series, but I can tell you, I got up earlier than normal today and uh, the washer at the home uh, we're staying in down here in Jupiter, I guess the detergent has some kind of fragrance mm-hmm. and, 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 and this fragrance is it's eating me alive and it's in my pores and it's in my nostrils and in my tongue and it's all over me and it's so distracting. And yet here I am firing it, it candidly in HD one level today and I am really excited about myself. Yeah, as you should. I mean, if you can overcome detergent smell and Thank still you. deliver broadcast excellence. Huh. Thank you. Huh. Thank you. Because yeah. I didn't want to call attention to myself. There. No, of course not. Absolutely not. Yeah, I, I, I honestly think that I, I don't think Costas needs to ever say stuff like that. I think he. But I like that he did. I, I like that he did. I, I, he I appreciate his candor. Yeah. Yeah. But I think so. You, so you didn't like it. Sounds like you're holding Bob Costas accountable. No, no, I'm doing the. I think that you know what you do. That that's your craft. People are gonna you know have their opinions, and I feel like more so than ever because of social media. Everyone has a voice. Like I don't know. I think Bob Costas is always great. I know some people aren't a big fan of him, but he also admit, uh, mentioned that like he hadn't worked with Ron Darling all that much, and so that was kind of new. Oh, for he threw him. Ron Darling under the bus. No, no, and that's and that's what he was like. It's not Ron Dar- Darling's fault. I just hadn't worked with him really all that no, much. No, I, I read I read the whole article, so I, I saw what he yeah. said. And he said he, Ron Darling's outstanding, uh, and he said everything on Twitter is not a misdemeanor; it's a felony. And he goes, so I'm not responding to Twitter, but I knew that I just wasn't sharp. And he said he had called games earlier in the season and he felt like he was sharp. So I think he was trying to perhaps uh, address if people were saying maybe he has lost his fastball because of age, that that wasn't it, that he just wasn't on and he knew he wasn't on. Yeah. And so if you're tending to that, I understand uh, being as, as transparent as he was. And, and anyway, I just always appreciate when people are transparent. Listen, I made a decision uh, with my agent, uh, both of them actually in the commercial break, if I should talk about the detergent situation. And, uh, and we had a quorum and we decided, yeah, go ahead, go ahead and talk about this detergent situation. And and so I did. And I I really hope our audience appreciates uh, my transparency with regards to this laundry detergent crisis here in uh, 
in South Florida. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it nonetheless. Thank uh, you. Thank this you so this much. next one is my favorite one. This one interests me the most. Uh, ESPN is reportedly in talks with other networks and streamers to become the hub of live sports, meaning through the ESPN app and ESPN.com, you could watch any sporting event you are subscribed to as opposed to changing apps or websites left and right. ESPN would make a percentage if a user were subscribed to a network based on finding it through ESPN. Do you like this idea out of ESPN? Do you think it could be the answer to stream fatigue, meaning uh, all the different streaming services that you might need for sports if you don't have a cable subscription? I uh, I love the idea. I don't know who wouldn't like the idea. What is right. the downside to it? Tell me what the downside is. Well, I, I think the only downside, I think from the consumer standpoint, there is no downside. I think it's genius. I think it's great. And I think it's a great move for ESPN. I would just be interested, not necessarily concerned, but interested to see what the other networks think about it, like what CBS Sports would think about it or NBC Sports or the regional networks would think about it. I think so they would have everything? That, like, that, like everything? I think that would be the goal. I don't know. I mean, it's so early in the conversation. They must have a wonderful lender. I mean, that is going to be quite a quite an acquisition of well, everything. Well, it wouldn't it wouldn't be so you would have it on the ESPN app, but as soon as you clicked on to let's say Bally's or you clicked on to NBC Sports, it would take you there. So you wouldn't be watching on ESPN, but you get it through ESPN. Like it would send you there. So you don't have to you would really only need one app as opposed to uh, seven or eight different apps. So for example, uh, if if an NFL game is on Fox, mm-hmm. I would be able to watch it through the ESPN app. You would go on the ESPN app, you would click that game, and it would send you to the Fox app immediately and open that game up for you, so that you wouldn't have interesting. So that you wouldn't have to switch over and do that. Because I've told I've talked about before when you switch apps, like if you're all apps on sports television, you got to commit to that switch. It's not like flipping. I a agree with. I couldn't agree with you more. I agree with. I agree with the premise. I just. I'm, I guess what I'm thinking of. I would imagine, like you said, the consumer would love it. But if you're Fox or CBS or NBC, why would you want it? Right. Well, and I guess the idea is. So, that, do you have an answer to that question? I'm not trying. No, to I know. I know. Challenge you because you're you're the one reporting and asking me about it. But I just don't know why they would be on board with it because you're taking them outside of their land, so to speak. Right. So I think on their end, I guess the benefit of it would be like if everybody had this ESPN app, you would. You would st- like they would still get the numbers for the streaming. Like if someone watched that NFL game, yeah, on their Fox, advertisers would still get their. Yeah, everyone would still. The only way yeah, ESPN is yeah. actually making money off of it is if someone, if like someone sees that game on Fox, they're not subscribed to Fox. They subscribe to Fox. ESPN would make a percentage off that because they found it through the ESPN app. But for the networks, I mean, it's just drawing more people essentially uh, to your network. Um, to your network app, I guess. I, I'm just curious. I think it's because there is kind of an issue right now. Like I have like six or seven or even eight different apps that I might have to use to watch sports. If I could all go at one place with all my favorite teams listed and just click on it, it would send me there. That would be outstanding. Yeah, I would love it. I would absolutely love it. I would love for it to actually happen. It seems something that, that I would imagine there'd be a lot of obstacles, but if that could happen, it would be wonderful. Right, yeah. I think I'm, I'm in the same boat where it's like there, there's a lot of moving parts to that, and I, w- I would be curious to see if we see the next five years, but maybe the next 10. Uh, final one. Do you think the MLS is doing the right thing with their move to Apple looking at from an STL perspective? Do you think that they would perform better and cut an even wider swath of the public if they broadcasted the games on a cable or local channel? Do you think the overall goal is to reach the cord cutting community? Um, no. Uh, hold on a second. I got to answer in order here. Sure. The first one was, would they be able to or no, is it the right thing? Are they doing the right thing? And then the second question was, 
would they reach more people if they had a cable deal? Am I correct on yes. that? Yes. Yes. Okay. Then I'm going to touch the the, the, the the second one first. 100%. They would reach more people. 100%. Yeah. But I don't think they were in a position to get those deals done. And so they had to kind of take what they can get. That's that's my belief. And so they kind of become the Lewis and Clark for a major North American league to be on, on all of its games on Apple TV. But I mean, one of the biggest complaints I saw uh, yesterday, and I know Dan Caesar of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch wrote about it this past Friday, uh, is that people were interested not everybody, but a good number of people were interested. But we're going, I don't want to pay that to watch, so I'm not going to watch. So it wasn't necessarily anti-MLS so much as anti-the accessibility. There is a, uh, you know, a real uh, reckoning here for sports and television, which we've certainly talked a good amount about over the last few weeks with this regional sports network situation uh, for the Cardinals and, and also in the Blues with the way that uh, games are accessed and the way that the public is understandably uh, used to accessing games. And what the MLS is doing is something that I think is going to become incredibly common over the next few years. It just so happens they're the first ones to do it. And so they are the ones who are going to catch a lot of hell for it. In St. Louis, we're oftentimes... Uh, it's older and slower to change relative to larger markets that can lead to some semblance of backlash. I think if they could have been on uh, wherever they wanted to be on, then they would have been on somewhere other than Apple TV. But considering that's where they wound up for me, I like it. But I know a large number of people either won't purchase it or don't plan uh, to watch because they're not going to spend another 80 to $100 to do it. Uh, your thoughts are welcome. Text in 314-399-9646. We'll take a commercial break. Come back with the final segment of Balloon Party driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. It's Monk's Balloon Party here on 101 ESPN. And Jackson, it's time to go. <laughs> this is the this will be the shortest segment in history. <laughs> I'm, you know, at this point, after about a year and a half of doing it, I'm just like, I, I this I can't. I do what I do. Yep. You know what? This is who I am. Yeah, I can't. My hair is not growing back. I'm not growing above 510. We need to accept these things as truths and deal the best with them we can. It's time to go. BK and Ferrari are up next for Action Jacks. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Munganass St. Louis Acura's Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.